0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 18, and on page 9 of your worship folders. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. This is the word of the Lord. Everybody, welcome Andrea back. She's been gone for a long time. Hello, Andrea. It's good to have you back. We're continuing in our series about not ticking the box, but being devoted. To God and what that means and what that looks like and really the best definition of being devoted to God is found when Jesus answers that question what is the greatest commandment and he says it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and to love others as you would love yourself and just a reminder there God's not saying you need to love yourself better because you do that quite well. He's saying, if you love those that are around you as much as you would seek your own flourishing, right? Seek your own, then, then you would be loving in a pattern that I have made you to love. And then we do that because we are seeking God with everything that we are, our whole being, and that is being devoted. And we're talking about things that tend to cause us to have checklists. When we talk about getting into God's story, when we talk about gathering together as his people, and last week, this week, and next week, as we talk about prayer, they can very easily become those things that we go, yep, did that, yep, did that, yep, did that, and we tick a box And we think we've accomplished the Christian life. But the reality is, is we're called to so much more than that. That we're called to having all of our being wrapped up in this love for God. This God who is steadfast in his love for us. That is always pursuing us to bring us into whole, truth, right relationship with him. With our own selves, with all others in the very place that we live. And in doing that, then we're able to love others the way that we're called to. It's so surprising to me that when you look at every philosophy in the world, when you look at almost every religion, if not every religion in the world, all of them tend to move towards self-fulfillment. However, those in the way of Christ always move towards the fulfillment of others. So that's what we're called to do, love God with everything that we are and love others as we would love ourselves. And in that, we discover who we truly are, who God made us to be. Now, over the next three weeks, last week, this week, and and next week, we're talking about prayer because I think that prayer sometimes is one of the hardest things that we deal with and we walk in as humans. It's one of the easiest to tick a box on, and it's one of the hardest to not feel shame about not ticking that box. And last week, we talked about how we are to go towards God as a child, That we walk towards him knowing we're not going to get it right because children don't get it right. We shouldn't worry about timing because children never worry about timing. And we can ask extraordinary and outrageous things because children do that. Knowing that the loving father will pull us on his lap and listen to us. And sometimes his answer is yes. Sometimes his answer is no. Sometimes his answer is wait because the good father knows what we need. And we even recognize that we can turn that into a pattern. Well, I'm just going to pray like, you know, a child. And I I prayed like a child today. I said, Daddy, instead of saying Father. That's good. Tick. But our own hearts will turn towards itself and we'll become selfish in the way that we're praying. And that's the reason why it's amazing to know that Jesus prays for us. That he's the one who first calls out, Abba, Father, on our behalf. Well, today we're looking at this passage that can be somewhat daunting for us when we think about prayer throughout all of Scripture. And it's not the only place that Paul talks about how we're supposed to pray. In fact, by example, he says over and over again throughout all his epistles, I continually pray for you. I am constantly seeking God for you. I am always doing this. But here in 1 Thessalonians, he gives these sort of uh, what could appear to be short pithy imperatives to the people that are there in Thessalonica and he says to them I want you to rejoice always I want you to pray without ceasing I want you to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you so at the very end there he's saying this isn't what I want this is what God wants He wants you to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstance. And if you're like me, then when you hear that, that that imperative, that command, coming from the will of God, it can be daunting. What does it mean for me to actually pray without ceasing? Now, let's just define ceasing, without ceasing. That means to not stop. We, we would like to uh, uh, soften that a little bit, only in our waking hours. That's not what it says. It says without ceasing, always continually is what it means, 24-7. All right, well, so then automatically we know, well, that's impossible, so I'm going to fail miserably at this. So one, I can rest on last week and know good thing Jesus prays for me. But at the same time, I have to go, what do I do? How do I walk in this way? If I'm to be devoted to God with all that I am and be devoted to to him in loving him and loving others, then what does that look like as I pray? Well, the first thing we have to do is we need to get rid of the idea that prayer is a process. That prayer is something that we do in this way. That prayer somehow is a system or a formula and negotiation in order for us to get what we want are the things that we think we need from God. Stop thinking about the end product and begin thinking about the person that we're talking to. Because praying is not a process. It's actually a posture of our heart. Praying is that place where our heart knows I cannot accomplish anything, just like a child, but by resting completely in God, then I am able to see the things that I need and ask for them. Henri Nouwen, who's a theologian, in his book, The Way of the Heart, The Spirituality of the Desert Fathers and Mothers, little caveat here, not saying that we should all go out to the desert and live like mothers and fathers of, of ancient times and be separated from everybody, but he's looking at their practices and he's saying, here's how they can apply today to us who have to live in the real world. <laughs> in it, he talks about this idea of prayer. He says this, for many of us, prayer means nothing more than speaking with God. And since it usually seems to be a quite a one-sided affair, Prayer simply means talking to God. This idea is enough to create great frustration. If I present a problem, I expect a solution. If I formulate a question, I expect an answer. And if I ask for guidance, I expect a response. And when it seems increasingly that I'm talking into the dark, It is not so strange that I soon begin to suspect that my dialogue with God is, in fact, a monologue. Then I may begin to ask myself, to whom am I really speaking, God or myself? Now, how many of you have felt that way before? You don't have to raise your hands. You can if you want. I have. I felt like, what is it like I'm just calling out into the darkness This conversation that I'm having definitely doesn't seem like a conversation. And some of you know that I trained to be an actor when I was in high school. I'd wanted to be an actor in my life. So I'm really good at monologues. So it feels comfortable to me to do that. But really speaking to God should be a dialogue. A back and forth. Now, what Nowan goes on to say is that what is happening is we have turned prayer into a head event and not a heart event. That we're looking at it more as a process than as a posture that we need to hold in our lives. So you can see that when we're called to pray without ceasing, if we're looking at it only as a process and as a monologue that goes on, that's going to get very tiring and frustrating But if we can move to an understanding that prayer is actually a posture of my heart, a place where I am growing in my understanding of who God is, then I can begin to grasp and glean what does it actually mean for me to be praying without ceasing and not be frustrated in that. He goes on to say this, the prayer of the heart is a prayer that does not allow us to limit our relationship with God to interesting words and pious emotions. How many of you feel like you can't pray because you don't know the right words? Now is am saying, that's not it. But its very nature, such prayer transforms our whole being into Christ, this heart prayer, precisely because it opens our eyes of our soul to the truth of ourselves, as well as the truth of God. In our heart, we come to see ourselves as sinners embraced by the mercy of God. It is this vision that makes us cry out, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The prayer of the heart challenges us to hide absolutely nothing from God and to surrender ourselves unconditionally to his mercy. Thus, the prayer of the heart is a prayer of truth. It unmasks the many illusions about ourselves and about God and leads us into a true relationship of the sinner to the merciful God. You see, the prayer of the heart gives us the ability to understand who we actually are. And who we are being made into through Christ Jesus. And it is in that place that we're able to walk in a constant state of prayer. Why? Because we recognize no matter what I encounter, whatever circumstance I enter into, whatever thought that runs through my head, whatever anxiety creeps into my heart, that in that moment I can recognize I can't handle this, but God who is bigger and better and wiser and more righteous than I am has already handled it. So I have the ability then to rest completely in what God is doing. So in some sense, that praying without ceasing is praying. Praying while resting. See, when we hear praying without ceasing, we can sometimes in our own mind go, that's a lot of work. And what now and what I believe scripture tells us is this, that praying without ceasing is actually a place of us resting. The truth of our heart prayers is this. I am who I am because you've made me. You know who I'm supposed to be. You've made a way for me to become that, and so I will rest completely in the work that you will do in order to take over all my cares, frustrations, anxieties, and self-doubt and (laughs) self-aggrandizement. That place where I doubt what's going on or that place where I go, I know everything. I rest more on this side than this side, sadly. It's amazing to think that God has given us this great gift of prayer, not in order to hamper us or give us shame, but to allow us to walk in a posture of humility, learning constantly who he is and who we are, knowing that it's by his grace that we are in this place. That prayer that and says there, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me as sinner, is an Orthodox prayer that's prayed throughout the Orthodox churches all throughout the world, many times a day. Some folks that have grown up in that tradition will continue to say it on and on and on throughout the day. Paul Miller, in his book, The Praying Life, says sometimes the only prayer that he prays throughout the whole day is just Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus. And even that is not always verbal. It's something about his heart that is crying out saying, this world is broken. I'm a person who is in desperate need. The only answer is Jesus. And so it's very easy for us then to think, oh, to pray without ceasing is to rest in prayer. Jesus is praying for me, so I'll just breathe. Well, that's a good start. (laughs) Because here's the thing. You might be thinking to yourself right now, I've never been a good prayer. I won't ever be a good prayer. I don't have the right words. If we move from it being a process to a posture, the first way that we can do that is recognize that every breath we take is a thanksgiving to God that we're alive. So all of us are excellent prayers. We're doing it constantly but I believe that God wants us to go deeper in our prayers so that we can really see who we are and who he is, understanding the mercy and the grace that he has given to us. And that takes us setting up systems and places for us to be able to walk in prayer. Now, here's where we get into dangerous territory because we might begin to go, oh, so I need to pray in the morning and noon and the evening. So I have my morning prayers, my midday prayers, and my compline, right? And if I do those three prayers, then I'm praying without ceasing. Well, that can happen. But let me ask you this question If something is important to you, do you make time for it? When people call me and say, hey, can we get together? You know the first thing that I do? I look at my diary to see where it can fit in, to make sure I have it scheduled. I don't just say it. Someday, at some time, we'll get around to it. Maybe we'll bump into each other and we can have it happen then. No, if that person is important to me and I desire to be in relationship with them, then I will take the moment to either open up my phone or get a paper diary if I need that. I will look and say, hey, it looks like Thursday next week at this time. I've got this hour. I'd love to be able to grab coffee with you. If we're training for some event or or, or wanting to learn the guitar, we don't just sit it there in the corner and say, someday that thing's going to jump into my hands and I'm going to be able to play it. We build systems of practice for us to be able to walk into that so that we can learn how to do it. Now, that's not saying that there's an organic outgrowth of our heart love for God that causes us to pray. Just by example, I grew up believing that I should have all these kinds of morning and evening and nighttime prayers, not because of anything my parents did or the church that I went to did, but somehow it just got into my mind and I realized that I was just a terrible prayer because I never did those things. And then one day I woke up and I was praying, probably because I'd had a bad dream or something and I was praying in the middle of that, but I woke up and I was praying and I thought, that's weird. And the next morning I did the same thing and the next morning I did the same thing and that was really awesome. And then it faded away, and it didn't happen anymore. But I liked what that did for me. I liked how I was able to center myself in knowing who God is and knowing who I am. And so I made an effort then that when I wake up, I might not be praying immediately, but I'm going to seek to do that. Not because it's the way that I'm supposed to do it. Not because it's going to get me any closer to God. Not because it ticks some box. Because in some way, what's happening in that moment is my heart is growing in my devotion for God. Um, if you've been around Fremantle Church for a while, you know that Nick Cave is one of my favorite theologians. Now, Nick has a blog that he writes that's called The Red Hand Diary. And in it this week, he happened to get these questions. Somebody asked him about inspiration. Somebody asked him about what pen he used to write. And somebody asked him about faith. And so he answered those questions all together. And this is what he said. He had talked about inspiration first. And he said this then. Faith is found in a similar way. Faith is something that just doesn't just magically materialize. Rather, it first calls to us with its demands. And sometimes these demands are significant. Faith in the universe, for example, requires our active participation. The world awakens to us as we set about the task of its rehabilitation, Faith is not passive, but fiercely active. So we need to invest something of ourself in the world in order to appreciate its value. The more we put into the world, the more value it appears to have. So it is with God, he says. To have faith in God, if that's what you want, requires an active involvement in the mechanics of belief. We set out on a journey, and that journey can be long and very hard, for the light is often buried deep, emerging from the darkness. We labor to improve our relationship with God, whoever or whatever that might be. What Nick Cave is saying there is that in the process of seeking for faith or seeking for God, it's not something that just arrives to us. However, it is something that calls to us. So when we walk into that place of praying without ceasing, that's God saying, I want to know you and have you know me most deeply, most intimately, most wholly. And the way that we're going to do that is to walk in a path of a posture of prayer. That says at every moment of every day, I will be seeking what is God doing? How is he moving? What is he challenging me with? What is he comforting me in? And how am I receiving those good gifts so that I can be a blessing and a good gift to those that are around me? It means this, for some of us, we need to develop systems in order for us to walk in that way. So whether it be prayer cards that we list out our prayer requests and the things that we're praying for that have people's names that we can just go through very quickly and say, yep, this person, this person, this person, this person. Knowing that that sets us up for whether it's in the evening or the afternoon or the morning, that the rest of the day I'm thinking, yeah, that's part of the process that I go through. Not in order to make me holy, not in order to make me worthy of God's love, but because I am in God's love, because I want to know him most deeply, because I should be an active participant in this pursuit of God. Not just setting back and letting God do all the work, even though he has done all the work that I engage with him so that I can know him most deeply and walk in this world in a way that will cause it to flourish, finding out who God has made them to be. Maybe it's that you have to take times of solitude to be away that you set aside times, and you find yourself then as you're doing that, that there are moments of prayer, that you're praying for things that you didn't even realize you were praying, all the while knowing that every breath I take is a prayer of thanksgiving to God, so I'm an excellent prayer, a really good one. And in those moments, these things that seem to become tasks, we quickly allow Holy Spirit to move and convict us in our hearts when we're making it a task to remind us that this thing that we're doing is not the thing that makes us holy and righteous, but it's the blood of Jesus that does. Maybe it looks more like this. My dad, who was just here, and now they're back in the States, every day when he wakes up, he sends a text to myself and my wife and my sister and brother-in-law And my mom is on that text. Then he sends a text to Braden and Megan. Then he sends a text to Maddie. And then he sends a text to the rest of the grandkids. We've discovered they're all the same text, but (laughs) that's all right. Because they're a prayer. I'm praying for you. Here's a passage of scripture that I received, that I read in my devotion today. Know that I love you. That's it. His pursuit of us. Moving in a direction to let us know we are on his heart and mind. Now, some days I receive that and I go, that's awesome. And I write back and I say, love you all. And that's the only thing I write. I don't engage with it in any way. I just say, love you all. Some days when I'm really busy, I don't even get to do that. But I've read that text and I've received it and I know that, hey, my dad's praying for me. Other times I'll get that and something has happened or something's going on and I'll say, hey guys, this is happening. Can you pray for this? Or hey, guess what just took place? Or this is an exciting thing that's happening today. And then we might end up having a conversation that goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in this group text. I I would be afraid to see how far it goes back. I'll let my text delete after 30 minutes. I know that's very, I mean, 30 uh, days. I know that's very unsentimental of me that I should have, you know, years and years worth of these texts because he's done it for many years, but I don't. Sorry, Dad. Shannon, sorry. She has them. Shannon has them. <laughs> That's why she always has to have more stores than I do. Um, my point is this. I'm receiving those every day. Every day I'm having those prayers. Sometimes I engage directly. Sometimes I engage deeply. Sometimes I engage just by receiving them. As we're walking in that place of praying without ceasing, know that the Father is constantly sending forth his message of love and mercy and grace and truth and righteousness and healing and wholeness to you. And oftentimes, whether you want to or not, you've received it. It's popped up and your heart has turned towards it and acknowledged it. And in that way, you've begun a prayer. But there might be times that you say, I need to engage a little bit deeper with this. And your heart is drawn by Holy Spirit to dig deeper and plumb depths of what it means for me to know God more deeply. So my dad is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but he is pretty consistent in doing that. Our father is perfect in every way and he is always seeking for you. He does not stop. He cannot stop because his love will not let it happen. And in that place then he is praying for you unceasingly. It tells us that Jesus is going before the Father on our behalf over and over again, constantly for us. And so in that way, we step into the work that Jesus is doing, and we pray without ceasing. Father God, let these words be your words, and if they're not, let them burn up and go away. But if they are, let them bring glory to you. Dig deep into our hearts so that they will bear your good fruit in our lives and in the world around us. It's in Jesus' holy, precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.